Amen. Amen. God bless you. Open your Bible to the book of Ephesians today, chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. As I get older, I am remembering things I never forgot. Or remembering things I forgot and never remembered. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6, let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. I read this last week. I want to talk about moral spiritual backbone. Moral spiritual backbone. Chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians, written by the Apostle Paul uh, to the church at Ephesus. Beginning in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, aren't you glad when a preacher says that, finally? (laughs) Or in conclusion, one of the best parts of a sermon is conclusion. I conclude sometimes three or four times. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We need that. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We need to be reminded of that. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able not only to stand but to withstand in the evil day. And all God's people said, and having done all to stand, stand. Therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Moral, spiritual backbone to stand. I'm 77 years of age. I know I don't look that old, but I am 77 years of age. I look probably like 78 or 79. But I never have seen the world like it is today. Let me just paraphrase something that I heard on news. The whole world is on alert. Not just the Mideast. Everything in Israel affects the whole world. That's the spot to keep your eye on. I know not when, I know not where everything's going to occur and how it's going to occur. But I believe the Lord Jesus Christ is about to come. My about may be a day, a month, or a year, or 10,000 years because we don't measure the same way God does. But something's getting ready to happen climatically. I've never seen such wickedness in my life coming to the streets. All the vulgarities, all the cussing, all the blaspheming, seeing all the people being put to death and the butchering to death of little babies and cutting off heads and taking babies out of the mother's womb and cutting them up in little pieces. God have mercy on our country. God have mercy on the world. But these are the days that Christians better stand together and you better get your act together. It's not a time to play Mickey Mouse with Jesus and do what you want to do and how you feel. There's times to be involved in the battle against the devil and the cohorts of hell and all the demons he has. Time to stand up, stand up for Jesus He's soldiers of the cross. Royce lift high his royal banner. His cause must not suffer loss. Father, bless the preaching of thy word. Thank you for the singing. Thank you for the privilege we have to be in the house of the Lord today. I need help, Lord. I need help from above. I need a fresh touch of the Spirit's power. I pray your will be accomplished in all that's said and done today. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. May be seated. Let me review just a little bit before I give the message today and perhaps tonight I'll finalize the sermon. 
a doctor that I went to for my throat, he, looked, he took a thing, went down, looked in my voice box, looked around and made some observations. And he said, Preacher, you may not be able to preach as long as you used to. Now, I used to preach 45 minutes, 40, 45 minutes. Then the last few times, I cut it down to 30. And then finally, my brethren, we're going to cut it down to 40. Amen. <laughs> I just I preach so I run out of steam. Do I get enough? And when I run out of steam, I'll be through preaching and i got to sit down. In these days, hopefully one day that will change. But I'm under doctor's care and trying to listen to what he has to say to me. And that's hard to listen to a doctor tell you how to preach. I want to say, shut your mouth, doctor. And he says, you better be careful because I'm coming in there. Uh, Praise the Lord. I talked about the reason for moral breakdown, moral backbone, why we need to have backbone. I'm not talking about just being tough. There's a lot of tough guys who sometimes may exemplify what strength is all about physically. And I've heard some of the reports about some of the soldiers and the military people around the world and how they are made to fight. I mean, they're ready to do what they got to do for the cause that they believe in dearly. And they're strong as an ox. And they do a lot of things that's almost impossible, some of our soldiers, of how they handle themselves. They're standing up for a moral background or backdrop, trying to do what they believe is right for their country. And I'm not sure all the ins and outs of that. I'm just pro-Israel, okay? I'll put it there and leave it there for just a moment. You better stay on Israel's side. They that bless Israel shall be blessed. They that curse Israel shall be cursed. That's Bible. You say, well, what's God up to? I don't know what God's up to altogether, but through the nation of Israel, thank God come to Messiah. And remind you that Jesus Christ was a Jew himself. And we love God's people today around the world, even though they're not saved people. Many of them are lost in sin, need Jesus Christ. But one day the veil is going to be lifted and they're going to see the Messiah and they're going to accept him as their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But unto the end, we just keep on praying and trusting God that he knows exactly what he's doing. I said, if I falter along the way, would you push me on? If I stumble, just pick me up. But if I retreat, just shoot me. I don't want to stop in the battle of the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. It is not my battle. I'm just grateful to be a part of the battle. I am a soldier. I have enlisted in the voluntary army of God. I belong to him by the amazing grace of God. I am a soldier. You are a soldier. Paul talked about it often. Endure hardness as a good soldier. Everyone in this room ought to make up their mind. Am I going to be a good soldier or am I going to be AWOL, away without leave? God help us to stay in the battle faithfully. As I said a while ago, I'm 77 years old. got saved when I was 9 years old. And the battle is still raging this day. Somebody said, Preacher, does it get any easier as you get older? I have more battles than I've ever had before in my life. I say that honestly. I fight things I never fought before when I was a kid. And I realize that. And the battle never gets over. I asked an old man one time, an old preacher was somewhere in a conference. And you talked about the lust of the flesh. That bothers you. It's the reason why women are dressed right and men are dressed right and try to look halfway decent. Because it's a real battle for men sometimes to keep their mind pure. If I took a survey right here today of all the men who were tempted by women, they would raise their hand very quickly. And I know you would. We're in a situation where we have to face the battle every day of our life. And uh, I just lost my chain of thought where I was going. I got sidetracked chasing a rabbit. I'll catch it in just a minute. But the, bat, the temptation, I asked the older preacher. I said, he, I was about 40 and he was about 65. And I said, you're an old preacher. That's a compliment to him. And I said that honestly. 
You're an old preacher, been around a long time. He said, how old is he? 65. I said, do you get the place in your life where you're not tempted by the flesh, especially as it relates to some of the battles we face as men? He said, you're going to have to ask somebody older than me. Because he says, I'm 65. It still bothers me. And we still face a battle in life. If it's not the flesh, it's the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life. And maybe the pride of life is the crux of all the matter, brings it all back into focus. But the reason for spiritual backbone is given to us in the context and some things I wanted to say. I said last week, because of His Excellency, because of His Excellency, He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords in Psalms 9, or Psalms 8, verse 1, and verse 9 says His, his name is Excellent. Now, there's some potentates called excellent today. They may bow before their king. They may bow before their queen. They may even curtsy before their queen. Or queen I guess you curtsy before a queen. Whatever that means, you curtsy before you showing respect for the queen. Or you bow before the king. But there ain't nobody worthy of that honor like the Lord Jesus Christ is. He is the excellent one. He is deserving of our standing up for Him because He is my Lord, my God, my King, my Savior, my Redeemer, my propitiation, my justifier, my sanctifier. He is my God. He done more for me than ever dared to. He did more, done more for me than did Tommy Marlowe. And Tommy said, no, He's done more for me than He has for you, preacher. No, He's done more for me than He has you. You want to fight about it? <laughs> We're on the same side. Amen. We're soldiers. He's just done good for all of us. He's done more for you than you ever thought about, ever thunk about. Amen. He picked you up from the mighty clay of sin and placed your feet on the solid rock and established your going and put a song in your heart. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God today for what He's done. He's given us a reason for living. I said last week, He's given us purpose for life. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, Philippians 1.21. He has given us a plan for our life, Philippians 2.5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of Himself a no reputation. Why? He come to identify with us. He's had a plan for our life. He has a point for our life. Philippians chapter 3, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want to die on the battlefield. I want to die serving God. I may not be able to preach. I may not be able to teach. I may not be able to be rolled into the church. But if I can go to church as long as I can, I want to go to church. And then when I can't go to church, I hope I can listen to it somewhere in my bed, bedroom. I hope in my dying breath I can hear the Word of God somewhere saturating the room where I'm dying at because it's brought me this safe, safe this far and it'll take me the rest of the way in. And something about getting sick along the way, you get your priorities more and more in line. It makes you think a little differently when you realize that you're not what you used to be, not able to do what you used to be able to do. And that's not a pity statement. That's not a sympathy request. I'm just saying that life is life and reality of life is that. And he wants us to stand tall for him. Purpose for life, plan for life, point for life, pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I'll tell you what that is. If I, one of the things it is, it's one day to hear my master say these words. Well done. Amen. Soldier, come on in. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful soldier. Well done for staying on the battlefront, in the battlefield, thinking, praying and walking with God and talking to God and telling folks about the God. It is important that we stay in the plan of God and that's to help this hell-bound world come to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior and doing all that we can to be a part of that. You say, I can't do much, but what you can do, you can do. What you can do, you must do. It may not be as much as somebody else can do, but you can do what you can do by the good grace of God and step up the plate and say, 
you can count on me. You can count on me. You can count on me. God, help us not to be A-W-O-L. Help us not to run from the battle. And we're going to face more and more trials and heartaches as time lasts than we've ever had before in the history of the whole world. Did you hear what they're going to do in Australia? They got a group out there that says our goal is to kill every Christian and destroy Australia. Well, I wonder what they say in America. It's getting where they hate Christians. You notice that lately? Oh, they hate the Jew, but they're hating Christians more and more. And God said through the Word of God, in this world you will have persecution. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And by the grace of God, we'll overcome every battle, every problem. You say, what that mean? You may have to die. I may have to die on the battlefield, and you may have to die for Jesus Christ. But when that day comes, when that time comes, you'll be crossing over the river to the great beyond to be with the blessed Lord forever and forever. And the battle is over. The victory's been won. And God's victorious. He has been the past. He is today. He will be forevermore. And thank God we're just a part of the great program of God and say, by the good grace of God, I want to be willing to die on the battlefield. May God help us today. He gives us power Philippians 4.13. Number two not only is it because he's excellent it's because it is essential if you're going to be the right kind of Christian to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is twofold. It's a private matter and it's a public matter. Turn with me please to the book of Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. The great chapter on salvation. Paul dealt a lot with the subject of salvation in the book of Romans. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the Bible says in chapter 10, verse 10, For with the heart, circle the word heart, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I see a private and I see a public. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. I see a public. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich under all that call him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's read it again, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You go back to verse 9, previous to verse 10. He says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You can't see my heart today. I can't see yours. I don't know what went on privately with you when you got saved, but it was a private thing between you and your God. Others may have been around, but it was private because it happened in your heart. It didn't happen on the outside. It happened on the inside. He that believeth and confesseth the Lord Jesus Christ with his mouth, what's down in the well is going to come up in the bucket. And because a person gets saved and right with God and they're trusting the Lord in the heart, I can't see your heart today. You can't see mine. How many of you, by the grace of God, as far as you know, if you died right now, you go to heaven. Raise your hand. God bless you. Beautiful sight. Now, I don't know that, but God does. And you are answering, you're answering affirmatively on the outside. But I can't see your heart. You can't see when a man makes a decision for Christ or a boy or a girl or a mom or dad or a husband or wife makes a decision, whether it was genuine or not. I leave that with God. Mine's not to be the judgment, judging character. Mine just say, thank God, God can save people, but they've got to believe it in their heart. How are you saved? I must believe in my heart. I must believe that Jesus Christ bled and died on the cross of Calvary for my sins and thank God for that. But also i got an outward part. So the, the private part is important. I mean, it's got to happen in the heart. No one can see your heart except God, and he knows exactly if you're saved or not. We have a lot of pretenders today. We have a lot of folks who say they're saved, and I'm not here judging anybody's life and heart, but the proof is in the pudding. Now, you may not always be living right exactly as you should, and Brandon alluded to that in Sunday school this morning. 
We're not always, always going to be living a perfect life. But your desire is, I want to be perfect. And when you fail, one of the first things going to happen to you once you've been saved, if you've been truly saved and God's spoken to your heart in the inside, when you find yourself doing things that displease the Holy God, the Holy God's on the inside now. He who was on the outside came to live on the inside. And the Holy Ghost made his tabernacle my body. So I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. And that price is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he dwells on the inside. And when I do wrong, I don't know about you, but I find myself, Lord, I'm so sorry. You see, you don't do that before you get saved. Usually you're cussing or something. You're doing what you want to do. Somebody says, you ought to shut your, shut your dirty mouth. Quit cussing. And you'll say, you're not going to tell me what to do. I remember down at the hospital several years ago, we was waiting on somebody in intensive care, and there was a young man in there who had a hat on that was vulgar. And one of our members was sitting there beside him, and it began to boil on the inside. He finally said, young man, there's boys and girls sitting in this room. You take that hat off or I'm going to knock it off of you. And the guy said, you can't tell me what to do. He said, try me. Good Christian love he was. <laughs> but it just bored about him because it bothers you. You can't straighten everybody's life out. I understand that. But sometimes you get around people who just cuss and blaspheme. Don't you want to just wash their mouth out with soap? Don't you want to just slap them? Now, I know there's times maybe we be, need to be slapped ourselves for things we say or the attitude we have. And I know the outward sins and the inward sins are both guilty and before God. But I believe with all my heart that when we get saved, there's something inside that triggers a, an emotional part of us. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. You ever prayed that prayer Amen. as a saved individual? Absolutely. You see, it comes to be a private matter between you and God. You said you'd root, if you died, you'd go to heaven and raise your hand. But on the outside, you begin to live in front of others. If I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, and I say I'm not ashamed of him. I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. He was a lowly Nazarene. He, he left heaven, was bankrupted. God bankrupted heaven and sent his only begotten son down this earth to pay a price that we couldn't pay. He walked down that Via Dolorosa. I was thinking about it while Cindy was singing. Walking down the Via Dolorosa, which is called the way, that cobble street that leads down and out to Mount Calvary. And Jesus Christ had been compelled to carry a cross upon his back. He'd been beaten and bloody as a human could possibly be. It was a mass of humanity's blood flowing from his body. Every drop of blood was oozing from his body, step by step. Every time he took a step, he stepped in his blood. The blood continued to flow from his head all the way down to his feet. It was flowing. What shall wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. And it had to be placed on the mercy seat. But that blood was being shed like the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. And that Lamb was none other than Jesus Christ himself walking down the Via Della Rosa. The big cross on his back heading down to the hill called Calvary where he knew he'd be crucified. They looked at him and they had to decide, are we going to crucify him or let somebody else be crucified and let Jesus go? What shall then I do with Jesus, which is called the Lord? And you're going to have to answer that same question. Pilate had to answer it. What am I going to do with him who has called himself the Lord, Jesus Christ? What shall we do with him? We have a notable prisoner that can be released in the custom of our day. We'll release Barabbas or crucify Jesus. Or we'll crucify Barabbas and we'll release Jesus. Which would it be? And boy, I read through the New Testament and you read it yourself, probably with Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, one of the Gospels, maybe all four. They begin to cry in unison. Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! 
We're talking about the blessed Lord Jesus Christ who never done, never did one sin in his whole life. We're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ who was perfect from the day he entered the world until the day he was re resurrected from the grave. He's completely perfect. We're talking about the one who opened blinded eyes and unstopped deaf ears and raised the dead and healed the sick and was a comfort to many, many folks over his lifetime. He always spoke the truth in love. He never was mean, never was angry at the wrong things. He was angry at the right things. He was always the epitome of what a Christian ought to be like and I'm supposed to be and you're supposed to be more more like him every day of our life. But they say crucify Barabbas. He was a thief and a murderer and probably one of the worst in town. He could have been a rapist. He could have been a, a murderer. He could have been a thief. Uh, he could have been a, a, anything you want to imagine. Can you imagine how Barabbas felt that day? That this man was dying in his stead. Barabbas might have got saved before this whole thing was over. You know that? Possibility. We get to heaven, we'll look around and see if he's there. And probably he'd become running over to us and say, I was there when they crucified my Lord. And I got an eye view. He took my place on the cross. And I could say the same thing. I was not there physically, but I was there spiritually. He was on my mind. He, I was on his mind on the cross of Calvary. And when Jesus bled and died on the cross of Calvary, he looked down through the quarters of time and saw me and loved me and loved you and loved all of us. And in his soul, in his own mind, he took my sins in his own body and nailed them to the cross of Calvary that I could have freedom from my sin and freedom from the wrath of God. And he that believeth on the Lord Jesus Christ shall not be condemned. The wrath of God abides on him that does not believe. And I'm glad that private part takes place. It is essential if I'm going to stand up for Christ to say I'm glad I'm a Christian in church and then out there where the woolly boogers live to say I'm proud to be a Christian when you walk across and face them face to face not ashamed of Jesus Christ. Every king is going to bow. I used to have a list of all the kings and I rattle off their names of all the kings and potentates of our countries of the world. I don't know too many of them today. They change from periodically. But Putin's going to bow. That's right. Oh, he's the potentate of Russia, supposedly. But he's going to bow. His atheistic breath will breathe out and say, he is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. I don't mean he got saved, but he's going to bow. Every king, every presidential candidate that's running for president is going to bow. Every person who sometimes wants to push Christianity out the back door and take a stand against the Word of God, they're going to bow. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. The China, what's the China, Chinese king? Ki? Ka? Two words, two letters. Ki? G. He's President G. But what a name, President G. Just two letters. Be good to have, I've changed mind to President P. Y'all call me Paulie. P.I. Pi. Pi is better than P. But every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Salvation is a private matter. It's between you and your God. But it's a public matter because once you get saved, He leaves you here for a purpose. And that's to be able to tell other folks by life and by lip that Jesus Christ is your Savior. So I'm going to go back to my original statement that I was a while ago when I started to get sidetracked. One of these days in America, if time lasts, it may not be in my generation, but it very well could be. That as you take a stand for Jesus Christ, they're coming after you. You say, preacher, that's just hard to believe. Read the book of Acts. They come after them very quickly. And they were arrested and beaten and sometimes even killed for their stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. The first martyr in the New Testament, the book of Acts, was Deacon Stephen. Thank God for a deacon who was full of the Holy Ghost of God. Amen. 
who was not ashamed of Jesus Christ and preached a powerful sermon while he was dying. And there outside of that city, they picked up the stones and against the wall, they began to throw rocks at Deacon Stephen. No, Stephen was just preaching away. And the glory of God was on his life. The only time in the Bible says something like this about Deacon Stephen when the last boulder hit his head, the last stone rolled down his body, he collapsed perhaps to the ground beneath. By the way, there was a young man holding his garments whose name was Saul of Tarsus who later became the great Apostle Paul. But Deacon Stephen, as he was being beaten to death for standing up for the Lord Jesus Christ shortly after Pentecost, a few years after Pentecost, here's Deacon Stephen in the church becoming the first deacon to be a martyr. Others were going to die. We said the other night, 11 of the apostles died a martyr's death. John the Baptist, John the Revelator, we call him, ended up on the Isle of Patmos, tried to kill him, he couldn't die. Put him in boiling oil, but it wouldn't kill him. He still stayed alive and maybe died a natural death in his 90s before he died, but they all died. And here they are, Deacon Stephen. Only time I know of in the Bible, maybe there's another place, but I can't recollect, except perhaps I can, I can imagine. When Deacon Stephen breathed his last breath, the Bible says, and Jesus stood up to receive him into heaven. You talk about an honorary guard, buddy. I mean, you're talking about the creator and the redeemer and the sustainer of our life. We're talking about the great I am, the one who can stand out on nothing and say, I am the great I am. I am the omega. I am the beginning. I am the ending. I am he who was dead in his love. I am almighty God. And says, Deacon Stephen, welcome home. Welcome home. And the dying and dying breath of Stephen, no doubt, was into thy hands. Receive me. Forgive these folks, for they know not what they do. You ever hear somebody else say those words? Jesus Christ, it may come to us very quickly. I'm not hankering to die a martyr's death. I'm not trying to be some big martyr and say, well, I want them to kill me. I'm just saying reality is facing it. As I've watched a lot of news clips from time to time, all the people in the streets, they got it all backwards, seemed like, and they interviewed some of the young people. They have no clue what they're marching about. They think they do, but they have no, no answers. But everybody's going to bow before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And one of these days before Jesus comes... The Bible says it shall increase in danger, pestilence, earthquakes, persecution, problems, difficulties, storms. I've never seen it touch the whole world at the same time. That's a personal observation. Maybe it has. World War II and other wars, I'm sure, affected to some degree. But we're talking about the whole world is on alert. And you know what they're telling you? Don't, 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 don't travel to another country. I never has it. been in my generation. Maybe been sort of sparks from here, here and there about wars. But this is a serious matter. And I come to you with a heart today. You can't hardly get it out. But I'm coming to you with a heart today. If you're not saved, stand up for Jesus Christ today and say, I take Jesus as my Lord. If you are saved and you're not living as you should and sin's not bothering you, be careful because you can develop a hard heart against God yourself and become somebody who just puts it off and puts it off until it don't bother you like you used to. God may give a premature death to you. He may let you die as you are. But the fact is, all of us need to be surrendered to God. We, I was going to, I'm going to try to find enough men to fill in one pew. Like, Paul, if you can help me do this, I want, to, I want to get men maybe Wednesday night, see how many men can get on one pew. Fat ones and skinny ones alike. It don't matter about the size <laughs> I put them on one pew. Then we're going to multiply the number of pews. You see, we took some pews out years ago to get more room.
and see how many men can fill up this auditorium. Just men. Now, women are, women are part of that also down the road, but just illustration. And put them in here and see, would you be willing to die for Jesus Christ? Why don't we just take a test? It's easy to talk it. Yeah. Somebody says you better make a choice before they put the gun to your head. Yeah. You better decide way before then. Because when you've got a gun at your head or at your child's head, it ain't going to be easy. You say they wouldn't kill my kid. They do it all the time. They do to let some of you see your children die because they know what's coming to you, let you suffer even more at the severe persecution of those. I don't know what it's going to be like, but the persecution is going to come. And the terrible when the rapture comes, for us it's great, but those left behind and during the tribulation period, the great tribulation period, and what may happen to an individual's life. So I simply close today by saying the reason for spiritual, moral back, back, backbone is he is excellent. He's worthy of that praise. He is King of kings and Lord of lords because it's essential privately and publicly. And I'm glad that it is and that because of the enemies that he has. I said I'm on the Lord's side. You're on the Lord's side. We're on the winning side. But we have enemies. And I don't want to take a sword out here and try to fight folks with a sword unless they attack my home and try to kill, kill us. There may be a better way. As a Christian, you may have to die a different type of death than trying to fight. I'm not opposed to carrying a gun. I was talking to P.J. Parker this morning. He used to drive with Hell's Angels. He told me the other day, he says, Preacher, Brother James, he said, there's not a sin I have not committed that I can think of except blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. I'm glad I got saved. He said, but I've committed every sin in the book. He said, I took my friend Randy Cox out to eat the other day. Randy, Randy Cox, 91, 92, and, and I closed this illustration. He went to his pastor a few weeks ago, and I may have told the story already. Tim Rabins, his pastor in Beacon Baptist, Raleigh. He said, Pastor, can I meet with you for a few minutes? And Tim said, yes, come on in. And he said, Pastor, said, I'm 90, I'm 90 or 91 years of age at that time. He said, I've got, I got to quit going soul winning. And Tim says, well, I understand. He says, no, I don't know if you do understand. Ever since I've been saved as an old Navy boy all my life, since I got saved, I've been involved telling folks about Jesus, knocking on their doors, going to house to house. I can't do that no more. My body won't let me. But he says, I just want you to know, Pastor, I'm praying. I'm praying for you. PJ said he took him out to eat this week, eat breakfast, him and his wife. And they fellowshiped together about that was a church PJ Parker, Hell's Angel guy, got right with God at. Changed his life forever. He's preached for us several times. Karate expert, a fighter. He, he'd fight you in a minute. He could drop you in a minute. He's just the only person he don't tackle with is me. P.J. Parker said his pastor still wants to go soul winning. That's what it ought to be. Go as long as you can. And when you can't go anymore, what do you pray while the battle's raging out in the field? You may not knock on doors like you maybe used to. Maybe you can't come to church like you used to. But by God's grace, make up your mind. You're going to serve the Lord and die on the battlefield and say, Lord, I know it's essential that I do that because it's important that I stand up. You stood up for me and you went to a cross and died in my stead. And Lord, I want to be willing to stand up for you. Lord, you gave me my first breath. May I give you my last. May I die on the battlefield. Amen. And Lord, if I get tired, may I get some re re renewable energy to go another step. It may not be quickly, but it may be another step to go another bow. I've traveled the long last mile of the way. And at the closing of day, someday we in this room, as the church is aging, I know that, 
we need more and more young people to fill the gap and to step up the plate. But we need all the people who's going to be faithful and be an example because when we step off the battlefield, you want to pass the torch to the next generation. You want those kids to take it and say, my papa died on the battlefield. For Jesus, at least I can do that. My daddy died. My mama died on the battlefield. Surely I can do that for Jesus. Our life is short. Eternity is long. God loves us all. Let's stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand up, stand up, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner. His cause must not suffer loss. Jesus Christ is worthy, worthy of us living for and yes, even dying for, for the cause of Christ. Let's stand together, please.